RBA and RBNZ accepted. Are we now back to thinking that rate cuts might come sooner? The US CPI put pay to that idea earlier in the week, but one Fed speaker at least is saying that doesn't discount earlier cuts. And then UK CPI overnight was lower than expected. And with a likely recession, can they really hang on much longer? Well, it's certainly a movable feast, but NAB has revised their Forex forecast. We'll look at what has changed. It's Thursday, the 15th of February, 2024. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar is down about a quarter percent this morning. The Aussie has bounced back 0.6%, almost up to 64.5 US cents. A quarter percent fall in the pound. The euro up 0.2%. And bond yields are back down, but not fully compensating for the rises that we saw yesterday. So 10-year treasuries down five basis points, but still up at 4.27%. But 10-year gilt yields did wipe out yesterday's gains in yields, down 10 basis points today. Aussie 10 years rose nine yesterday to four. 0.26%, then on futures overnight, down a few basis points from that. And the share market is up today, 1.3% for the NASDAQ at close, 1% for the S&P, 0.4% for the Dow, not quite making up for the losses we saw yesterday. And a 2.4% rise in the Russell 2000, a lot of that came from a pickup in the last hour before close. And the FTSE 100 in the UK closed up three quarters of 1%. The Eurostox 50 up 0.4%. And oil up yesterday. So, of course, it's going to be down today, isn't it? WTI is down 1.8% and Brent down 1.5%. Brent around 81.50 a barrel now. So, uh, we've had a chance to absorb the US CPI numbers from yesterday and a bit of a uh, retreat on the markets. Let's talk about that with Nabs Ray Atrill in Sydney. So, uh, the Chicago Fed's Austin Goolsby uh, so it doesn't mean there won't be a rate cut in the months ahead, these CPI numbers. Uh, he said, you know, rates uh, are too restrictive if they're at this level for too long. He'd, he'd be worried about unemployment rising too much. So he was sounding particularly dovish, wasn't he? Does that in part account for why we've seen a, a you know, a, a retreat in bond yields today? Uh, morning, Phil. I think to some extent, yes. Yeah. So let's just remember that uh, Austin Goolsby does is you know is characterised as sitting at the sort of the dovish end of the uh, the FOMC hawk dove um, spectrometer, whatever you want to call it. But um, you know, but just generally, I do think you know markets seem to be you know it's a little bit like sort of driving away from a car crash, isn't it? Which was those C- the CPI numbers. The further you get away from it, the market so that you put your foot back on the accelerator, but and um, thinking, hang on, you know that was just a little bit of a bad dream. But um, Goolsby, I think it was certainly helpful, and he did make reference to the CPI. Numbers numbers saying one month is no month and um, and saying that goods price inflation is down um, and the part that the Fed thought would be most persistent, i.e. services, has actually come down and it's housing that's moved back up, which is a little bit out of whack with uh, indicators elsewhere, for example, that we thought would be following things like declining rents, for example. So, uh, so I think that was interesting. There was also a snippet um, saying that uh, Jay Powell had been speaking behind closed doors to US lawmakers and had uh, drawn some specific reference to the PCE numbers, which I think is, you know, is appropriate. And, um, you know, at the moment, there's no hard indication that that upside CPI surprise is going to translate into, um, you know, into stronger than than otherwise uh, PCE numbers. So, um, you know, so I think the market's just feeling a little bit, uh, a little bit calmer and still thinking that, uh, okay, March is, is, is off the table here, isn't it? Um, but that, you know, a, a cut as early as May is still, um, you know, still a realistic possibility, even if it's deemed less than, less than 50-50 and that the Fed more likely than not will still be, you know, still 
starting the rate cutting process before the end of the first half of the year. Yeah, and some talk about now whether the UK will bring rate cuts forward because they had their CPI numbers overnight. There was an expectation that inflation would tick up a little bit through base effects, but it didn't because uh, January was down more than expected. So the core inflation rate rate went from 0.6% month on month to minus 0.9% in January, uh, which uh, means year on year, the rate hasn't moved at all. So that was a surprise. Yeah, but looking at all of the measures of CPR, everything came out, didn't it, on the low side of uh, of expectations and particularly probably services. Okay, at uh, you know 6.5%, it's still very elevated but the market was looking for 6.8 and it's only up sort of 0.1 on the month. So, um, yeah, good news. And we've had Andrew Bailey, the governor of the Bank of England, out, which, um, you know, it, it, painting a reasonably sort of dovish pic- picture, I would say, and also saying that, uh, you know, the declines in inflation that um, and we should see some really significant base effects dropping the headline rate in the next couple of months will likely for- follow through into lower um, wage, lower pay growth. Obviously, we had that slight upside surprise in the wages numbers earlier in the week. But uh, all up, we've seen market pricing for Bank of England coming quite a lot. I think before the, CP- before the um, CPI numbers, Um, There was about 21 basis points of easing price by August, and uh, that's moved out to about 31 basis points. So the market's now saying, you know, we definitely think you'll uh, you'll at least have, have got the first rate cut. Um, delivered um, no later than the uh, than the August meeting. Right, and I wonder whether that'll move even further if we get a very weak GDP. So that's out later today. This one is expected to be a negative number, which would mean a technical recession. But, you know, Andrew Bailey said earlier in the week, it doesn't matter. It's what happens next that counts. But if it is as weak as expected and inflation is coming down or weaker even than expected... I mean, you can't argue to keep rates high for very long, can you, if the uh, if the economy is shrinking and inflation is coming down, especially in an election year. Not that, of course, that's got anything to do with it. Absolutely not. But, uh, you know, we do still have a semblance of central bank independence in most parts of the world, don't we? But um, no, but I don't disagree with anything you said there. But obviously, from a sort of sticker shock point of view, you know, a negative GDP print today and the consensus is, is what is minus 0.1, um, you know, would confirmed that the UK was in technical recession in the second half of the year, in contrast to the Eurozone, where we didn't get any downward revision to their fourth quarter estimate. Yesterday, it stayed at zero. So um, they're clinging to uh, an economy that is uh, uh, at least not going backwards um, as far as the second half of the year is concerned. Although, you know, we, I've seen some comments from uh, uh, Bundesbank officials suggesting that Q1 is uh, could well be negative. So um, as yet, no signs of, of an acceleration or a pickup in growth there but um, no but uh, it, looking at currencies you know all currencies going back to the what we were just saying US bond yields are lower the dollar is generally the US dollar is weaker across the board but the one exception there is sterling which does sort of attest to the ongoing sort of sensitivity of the currency markets to the you know the whole contest about who's going to be the, the first to sort of start the easing cycle and just that bringing forward of UK rate cuts uh, certainly taken a little bite out of the pound overnight <laughs> Well, so I wonder whether in this environment it's been a good day for, for NAB to release its revised FX forecast because the mighty US dollar in these forecasts is not coming down anytime soon, which means a weaker than anticipated Aussie dollar. So end of this year, the Aussie is going to be at 73 cents, not 75, which is the old forecast. And it's not going to break over 70 until what, August or September? Uh, well, the essence of the forecast revision 
conditions um, is that we've effectively pushed our uh, forecast profile out by about a quarter. And that really is, is exclusively a US dollar story because we've been saying in our sort of written notes that um, you know the forecast that we had for Aussie up towards sort of 69 by sort of Q1, uh, which incidentally would only have put it back to where we were at times in, in, uh, in December, probably needed the Fed to be kicking off a rate cutting cycle at the March meeting. And as that's become increasingly unlikely, um, it's effectively means that the US dollar is, is almost certainly going to remain elevated for a little longer. But on the basis that we do still think, you know, the Fed will be cutting and officially we're saying we think they cut in May and they think we cut in June as well. We do think that will uh, will kick the, uh, the US dollar back into a sort of depreciation cycle. And so, you know, getting up sort of closer towards 70 that we thought might happen as early as Q1 now doesn't happen until sort of mid-year. Uh, and then we do see us still moving, you know, above 70 in the second half of the year. Um, so that's really sort of the essence of the revisions. I mean, I would say in, in, in our uh, updated um, forecasts yesterday, we have flagged the two principal risks to that view. And one obviously is that this US economic exceptionalism continues for longer um, and the Fed therefore, you know, may start later and the rate cutting cycle uh, could be much shallower than we've been historically used to. Um, so that's sort of exhibit A, I suppose, in terms of the, the health warnings, <coughs> excuse me, around the forecast. And that's just the other thing is, you know, we've made no assumption at this stage about the US public policy uh, backdrop and you know, obviously post the election. And, you know, the market's already having to speculate on what the implications of a second term for, for Donald Trump would be. Um, I think you've probably got something lined up next weekend to talk to start talking about that on the weekend edition. But, you know, without wanting to preempt that, I'd say that the, the issue that is most capturing the market's imagination at the moment is the prospect of a, a redux of the 2018 trade tariff war. Um, you know, one response of which was that, um, you know, China allowed its currency to weaken significantly, and that had negative feed-through effects um, to the Aussie dollar, as well as the sort of broad-based dollar strength that we saw during that period. So, you know, if, if, if Trump is to be re-elected, and it's a realistic prospect that we're back into a trade war scenario, which will be negative for global growth, then, um, you know, the, the prospect of Aussie, you know, being above 70 and staying there in that environment, one has to say, are pretty right. slim. But as it stands now, you have, you've pushed back the Aussie dollar, you haven't pushed back the Kiwi dollar. So the Aussie dollar is buying less uh, New Zealand dollars than expected later this year. Well, that's right. And, and, you know, principally the reason there is that the Kiwi's been getting, you know, some, some significant support recently from, uh, you know, the, the more sort of hawkish rhetoric out of the, uh, the, the RBNZ. And then, you know, you mentioned a couple of times this week that, uh, you know, one of the, uh, the other big four banks who's uh, expecting the RBNZ to pull the trigger on rate hikes uh, both February and May uh, has clearly resonated with markets. And, uh, you know, our best guess is that the, the RBNZ will sit on its hands for longer and that the next move uh, will be down. But obviously, the move that we've seen in relative uh, interest rate expectations has, has had an impact there. And so um, mm. you know, for the time being, so we do see the, the, the Aussie Kiwi exchange rate eventually moving higher because relative economic performance of New Zealand and Australia is ultimately what matters for that cross rate. And, um, you know, the New Zealand economy, if you sort of X out the impact of migration, uh, is probably contracting at about a 
3% rate. It's the fact that the population's rising at 3% because of migration yeah. Yeah. Um, that's making the economy look well, as, well, segue, as, as good or as the, less bad as it is. We get the latest migration data very shortly, actually, for New Zealand. So we'll see uh, whether that is continuing uh, at, at its current trajectory. Uh, also, labour market data for Australia today. We saw a big drop in jobs in December, of course, down 65,000. Uh, this time, uh, jobs are expected to go up. Uh, and so will the unemployment rate. But for that to happen, we'd obviously have to see that participation rate increase. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, I mean, we've had just to sort of caveat this by saying we've had a huge amount of volatility, haven't we, in the, in the numbers? Mm. And, uh, you know, particularly the last three months numbers where we've had that the, the sort of extreme uh, changes and sort of looking over sort of September, October, or sorry, October, November, December. It's uh, it's really hard to discern the underlying trend. In which respect, I think the best thing is to look at the unemployment rate, which doesn't seem to be subject to the same sort of volatility that the employment numbers. Uh, as I say, we do see that sort of edging up, as does the market consensus from three point nine to to four percent. So I think that will be seen as a sign that the labour market is, uh, is is softening a little bit at least. But um, for the employment numbers, I think we're at um, 30,000 for an increase um, and the market is at 25,000 but the surprise potential on there just given the recent numbers that we've seen has to be pretty high. And uh, Japan's GDP today uh, what will it be? Well it depends who you ask doesn't it? There's a huge variety of expectations on this one. No absolutely I uh, I think it goes from sort of negative up to sort of plus nearly 4% on a quarterly annualised basis. But no one knows. uh, Reading around there there's some some quirky stuff that some analysts who are really you know, looking at the, the weeds of the, of the numbers about sort of the way that some sort of software royalties may be treated within uh, the services sector could have the, the effect of, of, of giving a, a real boost to, uh, to the headline GDP numbers. But I think from the Bank of Japan perspective, what's going to be key is the sort of underlying strength of domestic demand. And in that respect, you know, consumer spending is expected to be flat or even negative on the, on the quarter. So if that's the case, then I think that's the real message rather than any potential sort of for a big upside surprise on the headline numbers. So US retail sales tomorrow morning our time uh, of course the uh, December was a strong number for the United States unlike a lot of other places so does that mean it could uh, drop down a bit in January? Have they will it even out? Well there is I think a little bit of payback expected at least on the headline numbers. I think the market consensus there is minus 0.2 there may be some some impact from things like lower uh, petrol prices prices coming through there and lower car prices as well because uh, these are value numbers rather than volume um, but if you look at the sort of core numbers and that sort of so-called control group which feeds into the consumer uh, spending components of GDP is expected to be up a few tenths uh, it was up what 0.8 in December which was the real surprise so um, you know so although generally we've had this pattern of you know strong November consumer spending because of Black Friday Cyber Monday etc and, and detracting from December that wasn't really the case in the US and it's not really expected to be the case as far as these January numbers so you know if we do get the numbers in line with expectations it will say well hey for the time being um, the economy's got off to the first quarter with a, with a reasonable clip uh, as per those employment numbers and for the time being you know US exceptionalism you know remains in place Right Philly Fed Manufacturing Index the uh, weekly jobless claims as well industrial production for January the NAHB Housing Market Index uh, so lots of data to come and the uh, from the central banks tomorrow morning, we've got the ECB's Nagel, the Fed's Waller, the RBNZ's Governor Orr, 
uh, I wonder whether, you know, maybe they'll all be changing their tack a little in you know, light of some of the recent data. Everyone's sounding a bit more dovish. Maybe it's Valentine's Day. It's still Valentine's Day in many parts of the world. So maybe it is true. It is indeed. So, isn't yeah, it? so they're but, a, bit, uh, a bit dovish. Well, say, they're showing the love for Valentine's Day. <laughs> what I would say on that is that uh, we'll be very surprised if, if Adrian Orr from the yeah. RBNZ, I think Might he is exceptional. the pig of the crop. But uh, <laughs> also, we should just mention that um, Michelle Bullock is appearing before a Senate Estimates Committee this morning. There's no sort of prepared statement, but um, it's another bite of the cherry after her house appearance um, uh, a few days ago but uh, we're not expecting to learn and we've heard so much from the RBA that I don't think we're going to hear anything Enough. that is likely to be market moving this yeah, morning very good thanks Ray catch you again soon cheers Phil and that's it uh, back tomorrow morning two editions of course don't forget the weekend edition tomorrow afternoon as well I'm back tomorrow morning for another one I'm Phil Dobby for NAB see you then